thank you, Paul and Leslie, and good to see you here today. Good to see you. Good to be seen. <laughs> we'll do the rapid calculations that I'm just encountering right now. It would be uh, <laughs> on July 30th, that will be 38 years. Yes, sir. And actually reminds me, I would, uh, some of you have known and some of you haven't, but I uh, appreciate your prayers that, of those that you have. But I've had headaches for about seven weeks and uh, actually did an MRI last week on my head and they said it wasn't all in my head. So, so that was good. That was good news. Um, but I was slated for another MRI on Friday morning to do a spine and uh, just be praying for understanding. Um, I will say that it, and it, it is a headache that is there all of the time. So it's probably a pinch nerve, I don't know. But uh, I was in a motorcycle wreck about 35 years ago. suspect that probably something in that regard is there. But at any rate, pray for uh, wisdom and strength and understanding. But well, Let's take our Bibles this afternoon and let's turn to the book of James. James chapter 1. We've been there. Um, I don't really know how we got there, but it felt that God really did want us there in the sense of trials and testing. And uh, we had, in fact, just finished a, a series on putting on the whole armor of God, and it would seem that was a good place to land because there are trials and there are tests that are coming at us all of the time. Every day, something, somewhere is bringing you to a level of testing and trials. That's just the way life is. Uh, if, if you're not experiencing that, uh, talk to me afterwards. I'm concerned about you. Because it's just that way. It's uh, Jesus Christ, in fact, was tested in the wilderness. It said that the Holy Spirit literally took him to the wilderness for 40 days without food and water. And if you can imagine that for a moment. And then Satan unleashed himself on him. The testing even came to our Savior. And today I, I thought we would just go on from there a moment because it's James we've talked about trials and testings. And then in verse 13, he opens it up and he's making sure that we don't have the wrong impression of temptation and where it comes from. So James chapter 1, and we'll begin reading at verse 13 and just go through. Well, actually, we'll, we'll read through verse 18. We may not get that far today, but James chapter 1, beginning now at verse 13. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil. Neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then, when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will he begat he, us, with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. And then one other verse I'd like to add to that, one that's familiar, but it adds to the fullness and complete. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. Let's start actually verses 12 and 13, because 12 is actually the reason we 
13 becomes a real issue. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12 and 13 fits in nicely with James. Verse 12, chapter 10, 1 Corinthians, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you were able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that you may be able to bear it. May God add a special blessing to the reading of his word, and let's just pause for prayer prior to our study this afternoon. Father God, we're thankful for this day that you've allowed us to gather together, unrestricted, to offer our praise, our worship, our communication to you. Thank you for being a God that is sovereign and omnipotent, omniscient. All of the other attributes and characteristics, Father, that make you completely you, and no one can rival you. You are amazing and awesome in every way. And granted, Father, our finite minds cannot grasp the level, the awesomeness of who you are. But, Father, your word has described for us as much as we're able to take in for now. And then, Father, there will come a day where those that have trusted Christ, our future is fixed. It is eternal because of what Jesus Christ did on Calvary's tree. The victory that was won allows us, Father, to be with you one day. A day that will completely vanquish all of those troubles, those difficulties, these trials. All of those will be behind us as we will be with you forever and ever. Not because we've done anything, not because we've deserved anything, really except death, but your mercy and your grace has been poured out through Jesus Christ, your beloved Son. And Father, we would also ask for these moments before us now that they would be enriching to us because you are God, because you have promised to make us more Christ-like when we obey you. Father, take the word now, and may the Holy Spirit that lives within those that know Christ begin to multiply the Christ-likeness. Father, if there's someone in hearing of my voice that does not know Jesus Christ personally, that relationship has not begun, that even today, in these moments, that he or she would make a commitment, a decision to trust Christ as their Savior. You are, you are worthy. Father, your love is open to all that would come to you. Now, Father, may the Holy Spirit teach us exclusively. We yearn for you. Father, we cling to you. You are the answer in a world that's gone upside down, that's crazy and out of control. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Because you are God. It's to you we lift these petitions, and we're asking them in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Not exactly sure where to to go or to start. I guess um, our our level of where we want to get to, though, is the sense of is triumphing over temptation. And when I say the word temptation, or we think or say the word temptation, it's like it's it's this overpowering thing. It's like we really are fortunate, or maybe even I'm going to use the word just round quotes. I don't like the word lucky, but it's used. If we can get through it, we we're just lucky. It's like temptation is over, and it's bigger and bolder, and we really can't really whip it. 
It's almost in the sense of its power is beyond us. And we're just kind of have to once in a while succumb. And the reason we probably do that is because we haven't put on the whole armor of God. We're not focusing on the Lord Jesus Christ. And we haven't been taking in the word uh, regularly. In fact, I'm going to start with this verse. Uh, It's deeper in my notes, but it seems appropriate. Turn to Psalm 119 and verse 11. Psalm 119, verse 11, it is pretty descriptive. Sets us up perfectly in how important the word is today. It needs to be part of really our seeking after God. Uh, Psalm 119, verse 11 says this, Thy word... Have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee? (laughs) That's super powerful. And it's amazing as you think about in Matthew 4. We'll probably not go there today, but Jesus Christ, as he was literally, by the Holy Spirit, guided and sent off for testing by Satan. Think of that for a moment. That doesn't seem quite right, does it? But how else would we know what Jesus really was? See, testing and trials are for us as well as for others to see, is your faith real or is it a fake faith? I would want to be the first one to know if it's a fake faith because wouldn't you want to know first? And the Bible's clear if it's a fake faith, it's a fake faith. Fix it. (laughs) Get with Jesus. But Jesus actually, how did he answer those three times? Here comes Satan. I mean, and he must have had a plan, right? He would have the notebook of all notebooks. And we're going to test Jesus Christ today. Let's get the context. He hasn't eaten for 40 days. That would be number one. I think I'd start with that one too. How could we tempt him in the sense of being out? And again, Satan wanted nothing more than to do to have Jesus step out of the will of God. He wants that for everyone. He wants us to step out of the will. He wants Jesus Christ to step out of the will. He wanted to thwart Jesus' mission. Sounds great, right? That means Satan wins. In all three of those occasions, Jesus responded with the word of God. Even when it was misquoted. And that's another thing. It's amazing how much Bible Satan knows. He is one sharp tomato. But he uses it and twists it to make it fit his agenda. Or to take you out of your mood. And just because there's a verse quoted, be careful. And he appears as an angel of light, it even talks about. There are cults, there are isms today that say that they were approached by an angel of light. That's like verifies it. Not so much. I believe it's 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. It talks about that he may appear as an angel of light. Satan, he's pretty cool. He's pretty fast. And tried to actually outdo, outwit, outgun, outsword the Lord Jesus Christ with the word of God. <laughs> Think of that for a moment now. He used the word of God on the Son of God. That's how confident he is in misaligning and misusing the word. But Jesus, of course, handled it. He handled that test very well. Another thing that we would like to say, maybe just an overarching thought. I don't know how many times I'll say it, but I'd like to get it out there, and that is this. The further you are from God, the more susceptible you are 
to temptation. Is that not true? The further you're from God, the more susceptible you are to temptation. Now, the, in the King James, it's actually in James, uh, turning back there, maybe you're already there, I'm, I'm still floating around in other places, but James chapter 1, uh, the word that is in the Greek that is translated either temptations or trials, pyrasmus, and it can be used for either term, a testing or a temptation. So what if they're, they're very different in the sense of connotation, aren't they? Uh, because in verse 13, this is what's important in this text where we're at, is James wants to be very, very clear. God does not tempt us. But God does either test or allow tests or trials to come to our life. And we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. That what's the purpose of tests? Do we remember that little... Okay. The trying of your faith worketh patience or endurance. And endurance moves us towards maturity. So God is using an external force most of the time. Uh, and, and I have to be a little bit careful of that. That doesn't mean that something can't... You take that phone call, right? A bad phone call. And it's internalized, but it's an external pressure. Correct? That's a trial. That's a test. That's something... And think, think of Job's case for a moment. He wakes up on any given morning, and I'm sure he would have done like every other morning, and he prayed for his family, he prayed for his stuff, he prayed for those around him. And by the end of that day, he had no one left except for his wife. I'm talking nothing left. I don't think any one of you have had a day like that. Thank God. Because there was probably only one man that's been able to take that test, and his name was Job. In fact, God puts literally that to Satan. He says, Satan, you've not seen a man like Job. And he said, you take his stuff and you got nothing. Job's nothing without his stuff. God, of course, knowing all things. I'm not sure Job knew how much faith and how much trust he had in God until it happened. And it's the same for Abram. We talked about him a couple of weeks ago. Um, Let's say your mission today is to get up in the morning and God gives you this message the night before. I want you to take your son, yes, your only son, Isaac, the one that I call your only son. I want you to take him to Mount Moriah and I want you to sacrifice him as an act of worship to me. What? Now, he would have failed that test earlier in his life because he failed other tests. He failed the test of even having that son. Correct? But this is the cool part. And this is what 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 is about. He will bring as much as you can take at the time you're able to take it. See, that test in Abraham's life for his son Isaac would have been failed miserably. He would have taken off like a scared rabbit and ran somewhere. But on that date, on that time, do you know who else found out what his faith was made of? Abraham did. As he gave everything to God, trusted him even with the death of his son, and it says in Hebrews, he trusted God to even raise him from the dead if he would have been called to finish, quote, finish what God had asked him to do because he believed God could not go back on his word. Now that's trusting God. And when we trust God at his word, the consequences there are no longer ours, they are God's. That's what obedience really brings. It puts all of the weight on God, exactly where God wants it. It's when we step out of that. When we step out of his will, then all of a sudden we're going to try to manipulate and make things okay. Uh, Have you ever done No, don't raise your hand. We've all done that, haven't we? We've all done that. 
But how does it test? And this is what James has been talking about, verse 2 to verse 12. And it says in verse 12 that blessed is he, happy is he that endureth. That gets through the testing, gets through the trial because his is the gift of eternal life. In fact, literally, your faith cannot be diminished. It cannot fail because it's a gift of faith that came to you from God as you submitted yourself to him. Uh, And to know that, you have eternal life because that would prove the fact that you came through it. But then in verse 13, it's just like this. He says, he talks about temptation. We've moved from testing and trials to temptation. What's the difference? There must be something going on here. How do you get within one verse? And it's abrupt. It's fast. It's a turnover. He's been very open to tell us about how to respond to tests and trials. And as I've said in the last number of weeks, you have all had tests. You all have trials. We're going through them every single day. Why does he mention temptation? First of all, it's very important that we understand where temptation doesn't come from. (laughs) Because there would be some that would say, well, wait a minute. God must be responsible. And that started way back in the Garden of Eden. I, Paul, you, I think you read from chapter 3 of Genesis today, didn't you? Yeah. And, and great place to be, quite honestly. The first place that actually sin entered its ugly head uh, on the planet. There had been no death prior to that. Uh, Romans chapter 5 verse 12 tells us that. That death came through sin and sin through Adam. And it's interesting as uh, Adam and Eve were given choices. And by the way, we have choices that we have opportunities to make too. Uh, we, we have a choice. We have choices all day long. Uh, what are you going to do with a the trial? There's a choice. Well, I obey and trust and follow after God's leading or will I disobey? There's choices all day long that you have. And it's amazing, especially young people, that early choices you make turn into habits. And habits are so hard to break. <laughs> the good ones as well as the bad ones. It seems like the bad ones are harder to break because you're trying to get rid of them. The good ones are harder to make because you can't get on board fast enough, right? But nonetheless, those early decisions that are made are vital to the remainder of your life. But here we have Adam and Eve, and they've been given instructions, clear instructions. And on this particular day, like any other day, they're met with a different idea. Satan gives him this grand idea. I wonder how long he stayed awake to think of this one. And so another thing about temptation, it, it always will be given, the avenue of delivery will be pointed at self. Self-exaltation. Every single time it will go to that, we talked about it several weeks ago, it's the unsaved humanness. We call it the flesh, or that's what uh, Paul called it in Romans chapter 7. That that war that's going on with you, it's the unsaved humanness within you. And it didn't get saved. It's not going to get saved. But it's an ongoing fight that never goes away. And you know that, particularly if you're a Christian. It's not such a big fight if you're not saved. You're literally just an enemy with God, and so what you do is you just run from Him. You try every other imaginable way to fill that space that needs God. And there's men and women have spent their entire lifetime getting to their deathbed, having never, ever filled God's space in their heart that is only can be filled by God. And that's what the scripture says. 
And on this particular day, Satan arrives, and as Paul read in chapter 3, he laid out some really cool stuff. God's holding out on you, number one. You need to know that God is really not treating you with all the respect and all the kindness and all the love and all of the gratification that you deserve. He's holding out on you. And by the way, I want you to know further, Eve, that when you eat of that fruit on that tree that he's holding back from you, you will become like him. Whoa. Was that a temptation? Was it a trial? Let me use the word test. I like the word test. Was it a test? (laughs) How did it move from a test to a temptation? Were they one and the same? Did they start out as a test and turn into a temptation? Let me add, excuse me? I mean, I mean, from Satan, first of all, we would know what. It would have been meant to destroy. God uses tests to mature, to, to engage in the sense of endurance, which leads to maturity. He's always wanting to make us better. And when, we make, and when he makes us better, it glorifies himself. Because he, everyone knows we're not the ticket. It's him. It's all about him. So Satan, we first of all would know he's going to do something to try to destroy us. But it was a test because God allowed it to happen. Did God tempt Eve? Now, our text here in James chapter 1, verse 13, be very clear. Just because of the nature of God. Let's talk about that for just a second. The nature of God, he can't even comprehend evil. He's never tasted it. There's no flavor for it. There's no way that he can even possibly even be in his presence. It's so foreign to him. In fact, the word... In fact, in James, it says that, well, let's, let's see where it's at here a second. James chapter 1, verse 13, it says that, Let no man say, when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. There are two Greek words that are actually used for of, and there's one that would be no indirect affiliation, and then there's one, even, I mean, no direct nor indirect, so far away that it's completely removed, and then there's one that talks about a direct involvement. There's two, in in the English language, there's only two ofs, O-F, just one. Greek, there's two. Guess which one they used here? The one that would have no affiliation, no relationship whatsoever. God cannot be tied to evil or temptation in any way, shape, or form. It's not his nature. It can't possibly happen. You understand? I mean, even think of this. As Jesus Christ is is on the cross, those three hours from noon to three o'clock in the afternoon, God had to turn the lights out and completely separate himself from his very son because he was wearing and bearing the sins of the world. He couldn't even look at that, my friends, is why Jesus Christ, and I believe this was a sense of a temptation the night before, as he said, if it could happen, could this cup be taken from me, but not my will, but thine. You see, the first thing, well, let's keep going. So as you get in the fact that temptation cannot come from God, as Eve was contemplating this particular situation, what did it attack her first? There's, there's, we're going to, it's amazing. It's going to be a little bit different. Um, I, should have, I should have hyphenated here a little bit, but 
if you notice, now this would have been the way, well, tell me what the, we didn't, obviously I did something, my biology teacher would be very upset with me, he said, label, 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 right? So here we have five things that we have no idea what they're affiliated with. So help me, and what was, what were these five things? We took two weeks to get here and I still didn't even label it. What was this? This was becoming more Christ-like or enduring how to endure trials and that's literally jerry's exactly right this is becoming christ-like and and the joyful attitude we have in trials that's exactly what jesus christ did in in hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 looking to the cross with joy for the end result well anyway if you've noticed it talks about attitude mind will heart and spirit it's amazing that the same things that and it's not exactly the same but there's things that Satan will attack or temptation will attack you. And here's the one thing I don't want to do. You guys will probably age us a little bit or tell us where we're at. Date us. That's a better word. You remember the comedian Flip Wilson. There's only one thing I'll probably ever remember him for. And that was the devil made me do it. No, the devil didn't make you do it. You had all the help you needed from within. Right? And that's what James is talking about. No, I'm not going to say Satan is busy. He is baiting hooks. You know, the fly shops? He's got his own human shop. He is baiting the hook with stuff that humans like. And it is amazing how good he can bait that hook. That's what he did with Eve. He says, Eve, I'll tell you something that you don't have that you really should have, and I think you want. I'm convinced. I'm convinced. You want to be like God. What is he attacking right now? What is he really offering to you? Where is he? This, and this is exactly how temptation works. Now, from testing to temptation is you're taking that external pressure. Temptation is internalizing it. You bring it inside. You start to mess with it. But what's the first messer that it hits right inside of you? Emotions. Watch how they sell cars. Watch how they sell anything on television or on the radio. You know what they want to, you know what they want to attack first? Your emotions. The last thing they want to do with the new car advertisement is to tell you exactly what's inside the engine components. I want to tell you what the rings are made of and the pistons and the alloys that are made to put this engine together. You will not want to ever not have one of these. No, they don't do that. No, no, no. They put some woman behind this, the, the, uh, behind the steering wheel, and you can get in with her, and she's right there, and it's wonderful, and there's no traffic. Did you notice that? The new car has, there's no traffic. And you can just feel the smell of, did you shout that? You can feel the smell of the new car. What are they approaching? What are they getting at? Your emotions. That's what they want first. That's why people that live their lives with feeling and emotion, that's why their lives are like this. There's no foundation. It's so easily disrupted. It's so easily sucked away from reality. It's exactly what he did with Eve. Oh, Eve, wouldn't you like to be like God? And he knows, he knows the moment that you eat of that, you will be like him. Oh, how do you walk away from a deal like that? Just sign right here on the bottom line. Don't look at the fine print. Eve and uh, perfect. And sin entered the world. It was that fast. But the first D, actually, I don't know if I kind of like to leave this up here, but I don't think I have enough room. So, should we try it? No. It's not big enough. You guys got this down, right? Okay. So I can tell that I'm not following my notes at all. 
That's not new, but it's probably not recommended. But the first thing that will happen in the sense of temptation, the first part is desire. Desire. And that is an emotional response. Emotions. Emotions. He works hard to get that there. Again, I'm saying he, I have to be very careful. I have to be very, very careful because we want to understand. I don't leave here today thinking that demons and Satan are your problem. Okay? It's like even today. I mean, our country is a mess. Uh, Washington, D.C., our halls of Congress, uh, Hollywood. I could go on and on and on and on, but that's not what Ephesians chapter 6 taught us. It taught us that it's not a war of flesh and blood. It's principalities and spiritual beings. And, and Satan is included in that. But he's a hook baiter. He can't make you sin. Let me say that again. He's a hook baiter. He is not someone that can make you sin. In fact, it's clear to say that. It says it happens when lust. That's a word we're going to talk about a number of times today. Satan and his demons are very good with society as well. So you, if you want to know about how Satan works, just watch society because he is the king. He is the prince of this world. Uh, the Bible says that clearly. I mean, if you want to know who's running the world system, if that's, if that's a problem for you to understand, uh, uh, the Bible's clear. It's him. And he loves to destroy, to defraud, to deceive all of those it comes in contact with. That's why the messages of the world, society, quite honestly, every single one of them is messed up big time. Uh, you know, I, I mean, prior to someone getting saved, you know, the number one selling books are what? How to look up for number one. Who's number one? Self. And it's all about self-escultation. You know, taking care of yourself, self-worth, and on and on and on. That's literally our problem. That's the vehicle that Satan uses to drive his temptation into your inner being. It's about self. That's why humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's not thinking of yourself at all. That's the safest place, literally, for us to be. That would have been the word I just under, that I erased, humble. Let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. I'm telling you, that's a great place to start. And you talk about humility. We don't even have a clue. Can you imagine Jesus Christ, the God, the very God, becoming in flesh as a man? Oh, that's humility beyond belief. But that mind, that sense of humbleness, and the more we think about what God did for us, the easier it is to become humble. That's another thing that usually happens in sin, conceiving as there's little humbleness. It's about self getting more. Wanting more. Eve did not put on her humble jeans and bit that apple. Uh uh-uh. uh. No, it was. And then Adam, of course, I, and I do believe Adam was just literally a few feet away from her. He was watching this whole thing unfold. And then she gave to him, and he said, eh, nothing happened to her. Should be good here. Bit the same apple. Now, here's what I want to get to. This is usually what happens, and this is why James is clear in verse 13. Be sure and don't blame God for temptation. Now, temptation, what we'll use for this, for this setting here is the sense of a solicitation towards evil. An inner solicitation towards evil. 
And literally at trial, something could be very nasty. Maybe somebody could say something about you. Somebody could do something to you that would be so hurtful, so painful. But you know what? The temptation, what would be a temptation of that? How could, you, how could that trial mess you up? Now, what would God, this, I'm asking too many questions with not allowing you time to answer. But if that, something like that happens, think for just a moment, get yourself in that context. Someone has said something about you, done something to you that deeply, deeply, deeply hurt you. And it was from someone that you would have called a very dear friend. How would God want you to respond? What would be, what would be according to the word of God? Go get a gun and take care of business. No, that's not it, is it? It's not it. What would, what would he want you to do? Pray for him, number one, because what it does is it changes you, correct? I mean, isn't, and that's really what prayer is, is getting your will lined up with God's. And ultimately, he would want you to say, it's okay. I'm still in charge. Not, not me, but God is in charge. Jesus still died for my sins, didn't change my, my eternity. Nothing that anyone can do. In fact, if you have trouble with that, if you're struggling with, where am I? Am I really saved? Is there something that come, can come between me and Christ, between me and God? Read Romans chapter 8 until you can't hardly stand reading anymore. And eventually that will come to you. Nothing can say, separate me from the love of God. Isn't that fantastic? See, we need to remind ourselves of those foundations. No matter how bad it gets, no one, nothing, no, seem, no Satan, no demon, no nothing can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ. Isn't that fantastic? So that, first of all, is understand that, right? And then he would what? Probably what? What would God say? Pray for it. I think that's fantastic. It's helping them and it's helping you. Just accept it. It's okay. Move on. It's one day at a time, one moment at a time. Now... That's taking the testing and treating it as a trial. Right? Because you're seeing it. God is going to make me better as a result of this. Because that's what he's doing, right? He's helping you to endure. And the more you endure, the more you mature. That actually rhymes, doesn't it? How come we didn't hit on that last week? As you endure, you mature. Oh, that is rich. It's not that good, is it really, Bill? No. <laughs> but we're going to go with it. We're going to go with it. Sounds good. To yeah, me. it sounds good to me. As you endure, you mature. Uh, at any rate, let's keep maturing here as we move along. Um, totally took me out of my game now. Um, where were we at, Paul? Lost you too, didn't I? <laughs> Hate it when I happen to lose the whole group. Um, what the world? Oh yeah, if your friend, if your friend said. That. Oh yeah, that, let's let's finish that. Let's fin- Yeah, let's finish that. Up. Somebody's deeply hurt you, and it's someone who's close to you. That's usually the ones that hurt the worst, don't they? They really do. And there's a part, in, and I'll, I'll I'll just share. Well, I'm going to have you name what it is because this is a place that Satan is able to do a lot of business. Now, so far, if you respond like like God has told us to do, using His Word again, the Word is keeping us from sinning. Mark this now. You can't sin without using temptation as an allurement. It takes temptation to have lust. And when it works it through, it's sin. Okay? That's the bottom line. Sin and sin brings forth death. No sin, there was no temptation. Keep in mind. Now, you can be tempted without sinning. Don't misread me. But you can't sin without temptation. Did you get that? It can't be done. So, it's important. How do we react to temptation? So, how do we take this testing of which God will use to mature us... And unfortunately, allow it to become a temptation, we internalize it. What would yourself, I'm going to use that word self. Self is our greatest enemy. 
quite honestly. It's an enemy of humbleness. It's, a, it's an enemy of everything that we saw on that board of how to endure trials. Because self doesn't want to go through trials. Self doesn't sign up for trials. Self hates trials. Self thinks trials are a waste of time. So what would self, what would self advise you to do? Now, self advised Eve to go ahead and sign on the dotted line and get some godlikeness. You can be God. Sign on that line. That sounds fantastic. But now you've been hurt and misaligned by someone. What would self advise you to do? What would they advise you to do? Excuse me? Hurt them back, yeah. Or at least certainly harbor that thing. Start churning inside. Become bitter. Now, hold, hold on to it. I mean, with both hands and tie that baby inside and just let it fester. <laughs> How did that sound, right? Think about it 24-7. Absolutely, because they hurt you. And you have been hurt. I'm trying to focus on the you and I and all of that, right? We deserve better. See, now, what has happened now is, do you see where it was attacked? Did you see how it turned from a test into a temptation? It hits your emotions. It hits you where you live. Isn't that true? Every single temptation will attack you first at your emotional base. Because once it has a, a, a hold on your emotion, then the next thing is actually available. I'm not going to tell you yet. I just want you to think about it. But that emotion is the opening. That's where you let temptation become temptation. It's a test until you let the emotions start to play with it. That's where it becomes temptation. And then, literally in this case now, bitterness would be incredibly easy to harbor. Because if you're thinking about it, and you're holding on to it, and you won't let go of it. In fact, I'll say this again, because this is, this is something that's very critical. I sat back in one of those tables with a man that came, and we were individual. We were in this room together, two, two men, myself and this guy. And he came to me and said, someone has stolen my business, and I'm so upset. I can't believe what he's done to me financially. I can't believe what he's done to me and my family. And he went on and on. And I let it go. You know, he's ventilating, which is good. You need to ventilate. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay? You need to just almost let it out. I said, so, and then he says, but I can't stand it. I'm dying. I need, I, I need help. That's how it ended. And I said, do you really want help? Do you really want to be fixed? Do you really want to do the right thing? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Because it's killing. And you know why? Because he was holding on to it. He was letting this man literally destroy him. And bitterness was that cause. And if we were to go to Ephesians chapter 4, we would find that literally that is a beachhead. Now, that's my word. But if you were to paraphrase what it says in, I think it's Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27. That is a beachhead that Satan can work from in your life and your heart. He can literally make a camp and destroy you in other ways. But bitterness is the one that's self-inflicted. And you know how you did it? You allowed your emotions to take a test and turn it into a temptation. Satan's in charge. And that's what sin is, by the way. Sin and temptation is wanting to take control of your life. And the strength of sin is powerful. Powerful. If you don't respect sin, then you don't know what sin is. It hates you. At any rate, back to this gentleman. I said, well, the very first thing that would be the most, the most healing, the most touching, the most releasing, the thing that would help you do the best, the fastest, is to pray for that individual. Oh, I could never do that. I, and he literally got up. I mean, it was so deeply ingrained, and he couldn't do it. He could not do it. Now, who was winning? Now, that's a temptation that literally had turned into sin now. Correct? This was a believer. 
Now, I'm not, I'm not taking shots at anyone because uh, let's make sure, let's read this verse for ourselves right now because it's, uh, it, I'm not standing on the outside throwing rocks at people that are struggling with temptation turning into sin. No, 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 a thousand times no. It's all about our humanness. There's no difference to anyone in this room or anyone that can hear my voice. Every single person is subject to the same types of temptations. Now, there are some that, are, that you're more open to. I mean, there's some sins that you can bait that hook all day long saying, that's not going to interest me. But for someone else, that's, 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 that's I can't get away from it. Let's, let's go here. This is, we need to continue to remind ourselves of this. Let's go to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6, and let's look at verses 1 and 2. These is, this is where we need to be, because the other thing is, as, as you don't, don't read it, just get there to Galatians. Think about this. What would be the follow-up to a brother or sister in Christ that had fallen prey to... Let's, that example happens every single day across this world in more ways and more numbers than we could possibly imagine. Bitterness kills from the inside. And how does it get from a test to a temptation is when we take self and we allow it to be emotionally charged and we deserve better than that. And all of that sort of thing, that is a killer. And we, what would be worse is for that person to stay isolated. That's how Satan takes it to a new level and it destroys any sense of usefulness in that Christian's life is to somehow just move them over and become a little more isolated and a little more removed and a little more isolated. That's why Galatians chapter 6 is written for us to them. Galatians, let's read that. Mark this. This is a verse that you need. Let's read it. Why don't, let's just read it for, for this week. Every day, pull your Bible out and read this. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you, which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted... Bear ye one another burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Isn't that great? Isn't that absolutely fantastic? That's something that the church isn't very good at. Have you noticed that? <laughs> it's just not easy for us, is it? Because there's, there's the part of that, pardon me, but unsaved humanist that actually likes to see we're just one notch above, sorry. Above, oh, God, I feel so bad about that person. Ah, another day, right? There's something about our unsaved humanists that actually, and break that apart, put the mind that is in Christ in us, and that is to be humbled. And that's what verse six, chapter 6, verses 1 and 2 is about in Galatians, that we need, in a spirit of meekness, approach that person. How can I help you? You're broken, you're weak, and that, that's the word that happens. A tempted person that sins is a weakened person. The further we are from God, the easier it is for temptation to take a hold of us. And then temptation, the first step that temptation uses is desire. It attacks our emotions. And that's kind of like opening the door just a little bit. Or what I would say, you guys, I don't know if in North Dakota, where, where I grew up, we had the screen door, right? In the summertime, you know, kept, kind of kept the big bugs out. Unless the kids, you know, have you ever? No, I won't. I won't. <laughs> You know, we just put things through the screen because as kids, right, it just, and it's amazing. Bigger critters could get in if the screen wasn't, you know, it's kind of like with our heart too, right? What are you allowing to get into your heart? Guard your heart for out of is- are the issues of life, it says in yeah. Proverbs. Life. Yeah, life, exactly. But I, when I'm thinking of this, it's kind of the first thing. If Satan is on the trail and he sees the door open but the screen door is out, 
it's still not a really stout filter. He can start to say things. That's what he did with Eve. Hey, Eve, would you like to be like God? Well, as a matter of fact, right? Emotions are the first step. Second step. Second step. Let's go back to our text, which I've lost my glass. This is my tendency to put them over there on the piano. Uh, James chapter 1, and let's go again with verse 13. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil. Neither tempteth he any man. That verse is very complete. But, in other words, here's a break. It's like we've moved from the nature of God, which is impossible to the nature of man. Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust. His own lust and enticed. His own lust. What does that word mean? Strong desire. It's like a passion of the soul, if you will, right? I mean, it's an immense... Those two words that are interesting that Paul... Uh, I'm not sorry, that James uses. There's a hunting term and a fishing term. Let's find them there. In, uh, in the King James, it has, When he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Drawn away. Dragged away, if you will. Um, I was... It's amazing how strong sometimes these passions are, but uh, this week I was told of a... Uh, there was a, a livestock kill. I don't know exactly. It was up to Ruby somewhere. And uh, this bear had killed. It was either a calf or a yearling. And uh, they were checking it to, uh, you know, to, to, to see if it was a, what kind of a kill it was. And they had determined it was a bear kill. And so now they were setting up a trap for the bear. This would have been the government trapper and then his accomplice or the one that was probably the range rider of this particular allotment. And while they were setting up the trap, guess what happens? Because they were close to... The prey, which was going to be used as the, the bait, they came, this bear came charging out to take care of them. He had a passion for what was his, quote-unquote. And they unloaded everything in him they had. It was a 15-year-old boar grizzly that literally dropped right at their feet. That's too close. But that's... The, my, my sense is, are you there yet? Did you, are you there Here's a bear running at you 100 miles an hour. It seems like 100, right? It would seem that way. But my point is this. What brought that bear to them, to them right there? Does he normally like humans? No. But what had happened? They were seen as a threat to what was his, his perception of his. Now, if they would have set the trap, what would have been the chances of catching that bear? Very high. Because the same passion that brought him, which is what? His lust for what was his. That's the word here. Drug away, literally, to be, to be captured by the very essence of passion. Now again, Satan didn't make... And I'm using this bear maybe beyond what he's supposed to be used for, but because he's... But I'm going to tell you, something. I'm right there. I'm like, whoa, I don't even know if I'd have been, you know, she fired every shot they had and just boom, drops right there. I'm, right? That's how strong that urge is. And you know what? I'm going to say something. The lusts within a human being are no less strong. It's amazing the strength that they have. And most of the time, as Satan is setting this trap for you, 
He knows you're going to come because it's so human. Because it's within every single man, it says. They are tempted when? Of their own lust. Just as that bear came tearing out of the woods, he knows if he sets up the right bait, here you come. How? Initially through the emotions. He captures that emotion. I think lust in this particular setting, it has to do with the desire, not just a desire, but a desire for evil, a desire for something that you think that you need that you really don't need. Because right. desire can be desire for good, but in this sense, lust, I think, means a strong desire for something that you don't need and that is actually evil, that's not good. And it's amazing. Actually, many things that we lust after are actually God's very good intention gifts that are thwarted and subverted and perverted. Right? Food is good for us. But if we live for food, it's gluttony. The sense of thirst. You know, if I'm in a, if I'm in a hot tractor for a long period of time, I mean, I am thirsty, right? I really want it. And yet thirst can be used to literally drink yourself into a gutter. All of those things that God allowed us to have and to be, literally, when they own us, they become our God. And then literally we can't even tell the difference between what is good and what isn't good. Because it owns us. That's what lust does. Lust owns us. And if lust owns us, literally then it is for nothing other than evil. Because we're outside of where we should be. Right? But the strength, what I want you to see is the strength of what lust can do. Now, we looked at drawn away. That would be a hunting term. But the other one is enticed. That's a fishing term. I don't know anything about fishing, but apparently it takes a hook and it takes a rod. And it has to be something on the hook because if a fish will, I think they would, they would for me for sure. I've never caught a fish. I don't know how to do it. Somebody, someday someone's going to, Larry, will you teach me how to fish someday? Maybe. I don't know. It's impossible. Probably. But at any rate, if you just put the hook, if you just put the hook in the water, a fish is, boy, that looks so inviting. I can't believe it. I cannot believe that hook. I want to bite into that hook. Of course not. Of course not. And there are, by the way, there are some temptations that, for you personally, has no grip on you whatsoever. But that's what Satan's good at. That's what the world's good at because they know what's in your heart. They know your tendencies and your culpabilities. And then all of a sudden that fish, ooh, now there is a good-looking fly. In fact, the more I think about that fly, I want that fly. Chomp. And he may not have been on the catch-and-release stream, so he becomes dinner. Right? Those are the terms that James uses. But how do we get past, what's the next step? How do you get to the emotion? How was it, in other words, let me, let me stop for a moment now. The desire or emotion, is that sin? No, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. But what we have done is we have now internalized, in most cases, and it isn't 100%. But in most cases, temptation can or does come from a trial or a test. It does. But the next level works off the emotion. And it would be what we would call deception. Deception. And again, using Adam and Eve for a moment, um, he appealed to her emotions... 
But where did she get deceived? And where was the where did the deception take place? This is really, really key now. We know the emotions. And I was, I was going to say, if, if you show me or you think of someone that's lived their life on emotions, what, what would you say how good has their life been? How, it's a mess. It's a jumbled mess. In fact, most of America lives on emotions. They really do. Because we've thrown truth out. We can't, the Bible, truth, that couldn't possibly be truth. So if we don't have any truth, anything to adhere to, then consequently, then what are we going to live by? What we feel like, right? If it feels good, do it. Have you heard that message? Oh, my goodness. We live by it, right? Do you see how Satan's got a heyday today? I mean, it's like a wide-open gate. But deception, where does that take place? Where does deception take place? In your mind. That's exactly right. It's, it's a mind thing. Because now you've moved from emotions to literally strategizing. There's a decision that's being made. You rationalize, you justify the right that you desire. You are literally deceiving your intellect. It looks good. I deserve it. Isn't that how it works? Sure it is. In every level, emotion to the mind. Now, are we okay so far? Have we sinned yet? I don't think so. I don't think so. We're getting really close. We're getting really close. But something's missing, and the third one will tell us what it is, because it, once you get to step three, it says as this, it uses a pregnant woman in the sense of conceiving. If you can tie these two up, there is no conception. But once you get to the will, it's over. It's over. And that's literally what happened to Eve. When she started to look and see, she, she was tasting that Fuji before she even tasted it. I think they had Fujis in, didn't they? Maybe it was an apple. What, what's this? What I really like. The really good ones are the Honeycrisp. Honey Those are great. Those are great. At any rate, she was already almost nibbling on it because she felt that it was hers. She deserved it. It looked good, in fact, right? Now we're right. See how close we are? You see how we're getting now? Now we're starting to rationalize. That looks really good. That makes good sense. Boy, can you imagine? Let me tell you a story now. Let's see if we can find out where this one is. There was a friend of a pastor that actually had just started a new job at a very, I mean, it was a job he had, he had sought after. It was a very high company, and he was given a good position. And on one evening, after being hired, it was probably a couple of weeks, I don't know exactly, but it, he wasn't there very long, and he was the last one to leave the building, and on his desk was a whole big bunch of money, cash, on his desk. And so he, he quickly said, well, he put it in his briefcase, and he said, I've got to give that back. And he went home, and the next morning he comes to the boss, and he said, I don't have any, and he opens up his briefcase, and he puts his money, I said... Sir, I have no idea whose this is, but I just know I needed to bring it back, and I don't understand what's going on. He says, it was a test. You passed. What hadn't he done? He didn't take the briefcase home and pop it open. And boy, oh boy, oh boy, was God good to me tonight. I could buy a lot of stuff, and I deserve it. And no one knows. Do you, do, you see what's do you see what's happened? We went from a test, which the, the, the owner of that business said after his returning, and he said, it was a test, and you passed, because now he could trust him, right? That's exactly true. It was like even he learned something about himself. But if he would have emotionalized it, 
If he would have rationalized it, guess what would have happened? That temptation then would have become a real deal. He would have internalized it. But the third thing that literally, where you cross over the line, is the sense of design. Design. Now, you have, you're making a plan. You're making a strategy of how to make this happen. I'm going to make that happen. So what's involved here? I've already given it away. The will. Once your will is on it, it's a done deal. As it says, when lust hath conceived, it brings forth sin and sin death. You can't stop this anymore. Once your will has, has kicked in, it's sin. Because it says it conceives and you don't become unpregnant. And that's the word that's actually used here. Where's the dividing point? Uh, there's, there's actually one more and that would be the obvious one and that's disobedience. And that would be a behavior. Or we could even say a habit, potentially. If you do this over and over and over, you know, that's how habits are formed, right? Because how about the next time? Let's think about it. Let, let's, let's go back to our, to our guy that was at, sitting at the desk. Or, I'm sorry, he got his job and he sees us all his money at the desk. And he goes home with that and he says, wow, that worked out really good. You know, I bought this and this and this and nobody knows about it. What a, what a, what a great idea. Now, you think next time that there's some money that he sees somewhere, he's going to say, oh, I should return that to its rightful owner. Of course not. It's so much easier to go with the same flow, right? That's how behavior, that's how habits happen. You see, Satan, even with Eve, well, he's been selling it ever since. You think about that. What if, what if Adam and Eve even told, told their sons, Oh, I cannot believe that day. I cannot believe what we forfeited. You have no idea what we forfeited. We were walking in the afternoon with God. We were in the perfect place with a perfect everything, and everything was perfect until mom here, I don't know what her deal was that day. What, right, Eve? What, what were you thinking? Because that's exactly what's happening, and that's what James is saying here. Don't blame anyone other than yourself. Remember, you remember Adam as he's confronted. He's, he's responsible for his family. He's responsible for Eve. And God says, what, what's going on? Where are you at, buddy? What's going on? I'm out here for my fellowship walk, and where you at? Ah, uh, I was scared. Scared of what? Well, um, duh. Well, we're naked. Oh, really? Did you eat of that tree, Adam? She did it. She did it. It was all her fault. And think of Adam. Now, he would have the perfect excuse, right? You know, like, God, just, just let's get this right. You know, I go to sleep, I wake up, and there's a woman. And not only is it a woman, I'm married to her. It's your fault, God. <laughs> but not to be outdone, God says, Eve, what, what, what happened? It was that snake. It was that serpent. And you, we all know who made him. Right? And it goes on. In America, we've, we've had an all-time low. We deserve everything. Accountable for nothing. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing? You can't get anybody to be receiving of any accountability at any level anymore. Whether it's buying parts, it doesn't matter. It just there's there's no sense of responsibility. Where does that come from? From the Garden of Eden. 
And James is really quick to say, he says, don't you dare blame God for temptation. Don't you dare blame God for your sin. Don't you dare blame God because he couldn't possibly have been there. In fact, actually it came from within each one of us. The lust that literally we hit it with emotion. We allow our minds to be deceived. And then we design how to accomplish it. And then literally the act or the behavior is formed. And that is that way every single time. Every single time. Isn't that something? I mean, here we got it. We got it totally dissected. And you know what's going to happen tomorrow morning or tonight, or right? Here comes Twinkle Toe Satan, and he's baited a hook. Ooh, that looks pretty good. Right? What's wrong with us? We don't think ahead. Excuse me? We're all sinners. There's that unsaved humanness of us, isn't it? But what's James trying to do? (laughs) He's trying to prepare us beforehand. Now, granted, the other thing, if you think of the context of James, this is written to Christians that have been persecuted, scattered, and literally in trouble. Their sense of trials is amazing. And you know what? It's so easy. It's so easy. Mark this carefully. It's so easy to take a trial, to take a test, and literally make it God's fault. Because it's not going good. Now, he's using it to bring you along. He's using it to make you stronger. But it's so easy to turn into a temptation when somewhere the world's society or people, even friends, in their well-meaning things. You know what took, you know what took Job off his game was his friends. Well, Job, you know and we know the only reason you're suffering is the fact that somewhere, and you know, Job, you did something wrong. And Job hadn't. But how did he respond? A little bit more pride. I did not. And the more they talked, the more, shall we say, the more enamored they came with what they had to know to be right, the more puffed up he became. Isn't it amazing? We said self is at the basis of all of this, and you know what pumps up self is pride. And then God finally took control. <laughs> you know, I was wondering, I'm just wondering about God. You know, and by the way, Job passed with flying colors. He passed with flying colors. He came within that close. Well, just he didn't, but that close of literally having Satan taking his life. He put as much pain, as much anguish, as much torture as a man could possibly handle. And then his wife told him, curse God and die. Now, that's a te- that could have been a temptation, right? Right there. From his wife. Where do you think that came from? Absolutely. But then, it just seemed to be the friends show up. And friends should show up, by the way. You know, you, doesn't that sound like a Galatians chapter 6? They were okay when they didn't say anything. But then they started to assume they knew some things. Have you ever done that? Yeah, it's easy to assume, isn't it? But if they would have just stayed there and been with him, it would have been probably pretty good. We wouldn't have had as many chapters to read. Right? <laughs> but there was a point that finally God said, that is enough. I can't take this anymore. I gotta, I, I'm just going to... Job, come here. Come here. Hey, buddy, come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. Now, he didn't tell him why he had went through what he did. Did you notice that? God rarely asks the why questions. So I don't bother asking it. I've got a lot of questions I could have asked why. Right now, I'm kind of wondering, why do I have a headache for seven weeks? But it's pointless. I have, I do, and I don't know where it's going, but I know that God is in charge, 
and he can take this trial, this test, and take me to another level of endurance, as long as I trust him for it, somehow. But he comes to Job and he says this, he asks him questions. And I don't know where those chapters begin, I'll try to find them because that would be really good for us. Because he asked basically Job, buddy, where were you when the foundations of the world were laid? How did you form the oceans? How about those really big animals? Where do you think they came from? Were you there? And he goes on for, I mean, it's a full chapter and beyond. And you know what Job did? He repented. He said, Lord God, you alone are God. Do you see what, do you, do you see this? Do you see the significance of that? The more that God is in our viewfinder, the more that we focus on Jesus Christ, the less likely we are to have a temptation become just that. Now, I'm going to say this. A temptation in of itself is not sin. But you have a very... I've got this on the board because it's a very fine line. If you can nip it at the emotion, which is actually hard to do, because your emotions are strong. The emotions of that bear, I'm wanting to get that. That just fit my example this week so strong. Because here this bugger comes, and he is mean in business. You take somebody that is lusting after something, and I will show you something that is bent. And you know, it's most of the time it's dealing with emotions. But particularly if your mind has been deceived, the chances of you getting out of But here's the deal. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13, which we really haven't even spent any time on. God knows how much you can take. See, he knew exactly how much Job could take. And I think he stepped in at just the right time before Job couldn't take it anymore with his friends. Right? I really do. I, I'm not, okay, stop. In fact, at the end, he said, Job, you need to pray for these, these clowns, right? You need to pray for these clowns. And he did, because that's who Job was. But he steps in at just the right time. And here's something that we can take to the bank. He will not ever give you more than you can handle for that situation at that time. Now, there are things that you're going through right now that you couldn't have went through a year, two years, 10 years, 15, 20 years ago. You couldn't have done it, but he knows that. And you think, I can't take this anymore. That's what you think, but you know what? Anybody that's on a really super high athletic program, you always push beyond what you think you can because that's how you grow. God knows that level. He knows exactly where you're at, and he always makes a way to get through. Let's take a look at that. Let's take, this is important. Because how do we want to get out of a problem? All right. God, get me out of this. I've prayed that many times. Get me out of this situation. Take that away from me. That's what Paul did three times with a thorn in the flesh. He said, take it away. I, I, right? That's usually not God's way, though. In fact, let's, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 for a moment. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. <clears throat> There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. I want, that's a word today. I don't know. There was something I saw differently there. Such is common to man. So that doesn't really mean a lot, but here's the deal. Uh, when I started out today, I said, sometimes we get temptation. We make it too big, too powerful. It's like kryptonite to humans, right? That's what we make temptation. Oh, I can't. I just can't get through. I, I, I'm sorry. I just, I give up. No, 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 no. It is not supernatural temptation. It is fixed to mankind. In other words, Satan doesn't have something that he has that's more powerful than you're able to withstand. 
Mark that carefully. I mean, that, that's something we need to know. It is no bigger than what man is. That's great news. It's not like something that's, oh, well, I give up. I, I can't handle that. You can in God's power. There's no question. But let's keep going. <clears throat> but God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able. We've been talking about that. But will, with the temptation also, make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. If you've ever walked into a building, uh, I'm thinking, I was thinking, I don't know why, but a, a, a jet or an airliner came to my mind today, which I paid little, little, no attention to, nor does anyone else on the plane. You get in, you look for your seat, and you sit down, right? And then they take probably like 10 minutes or something, and they're trying to explain to you all of the things that you hope never happen, and you really nobody cares because nobody's watching or listening. Are you like that? Are you like that person? Persons? Oh, nobody's going to respond. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, and what are they doing for you? What are they really telling you what to do now? In the event that something that is, we're not counting on, we're not planning for it, but if it happens, we want you to know where the exits are. I mean, I, 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 can, I can almost do this. I could do this, right? I mean, I, people that can't watch it, it is kind of funny to watch me try to do the stewardess thing. But, but nonetheless, isn't it amazing? You know, they'll, and it's all, and by the way, they can do it in their sleep, right? But they're pointing out the exits. Isn't that something we need to be doing as Christians? Thinking about exits, particularly if we're hit with a, with, with a place that we haven't been before. Sometimes it's a matter of God, the Holy Spirit, as we, as we inject the, the, the Word of God, the Scriptures. There's dangerous places that we need to just leave. Have you been in those places? And there's been, I just need to get out of here. But you need to know where the exit is, right? Mark those exits. God is literally giving you an exit. That's the best word I can think of for that word that's in the Scriptures right there. It is an exit, but he doesn't take you out of it. He takes you through it. That's how the storms, that's how trials are. He takes you through them. That's what endurance is. Endurance is literally the word that's used in the, in the Greek is the fact of getting under it and carrying it, moving through it. That's the very same thing. That temptation, it's a matter of getting through it. He will take you through it with his power. Not yours, because you'd be hopeless, right? Now, there are some, and again, now, be careful how we say this, because there's at least one temptation in Scripture that we are to flee. Everything else were to stand firm. Which one are we to flee? Fornication. Sexual immorality. Run away. You remember uh, Joseph? Wow. If there was ever a chance to rationalize and think your way through that one, right? He's in a foreign land. He's a long ways away from anyone that would know him or care. He sort of already had a tough thing. I mean, he's been... He, can you believe it? Can you believe this? My brother sold me to the Ishmaelites. And here I am a slave in this guy's house. And why wouldn't I deserve... Right? Do, do you see what I'm saying? That, that would then... Do you know what? He ran with his Nikes on full-blown steroids. He was gone. In fact, he ran out of his jacket perfect way to deal with that. And there are those situations. This is why I want to be careful. I'm, I'm saying this because sexual temptation is one that you don't hang around to figure out if we should be here. 
God works from the inside of your mind, and that's why he said flee it. The best thing to do is get out of there right now. The rest of them, like, for instance, that person that's done you wrong, he'll work you through that. He wants you to give that to him. He wants you to pray for that person that's hurt you and harmed you. That's how he lets you get away from the temptation being too much for you. That's a lot of stuff going on, isn't it? And the really cool thing is, is he did it just for you. You see, God loves you so much that he gave you all the armor you need. He gave you the eternal package in Jesus Christ. And no one can take that from you. No one can make you react or decide or make choices. You and you alone make those choices. See, those are all your choices. Those aren't Satan's choices. Now, Satan, I'll tell you what, he'd put you in a box and send you to hell immediately. He he hates you. He hates you. That's the other thing. Why would you want to kind of like cozy up to something that you know isn't going to be for your best interest and it was baited by someone that hates you? It's like walking up to a hunter with an orange vest and you're a deer. Hey, buddy, what are you doing today? Oh, just hunting for, well, uh, raccoons. It's almost the same, isn't it? We've totally lost our mind when we would allow ourselves to listen to the game that society of the world has to sell to us. The world system right now today is such a mess. Such a mess. But we're here because the Word of God is truth. And this is what we need to prepare ourselves for, particularly the days in which we find ourselves. These things need to be part of our thinking. We need to know how we're going before we get there. Because, I'll tell you what, if that test, if that trial brings along and all of a sudden you have a sense of it attacking your emotion, for whatever it might, negatively or positively, we know we better be careful. And we better grasp. And what do you, so what should we do? We close with this. Here we are, and now these are things that are fixed because James has laid them out for us. How do we respond? How do we endure temptation? How do we triumph over temptation? What's the first thing? If you start to feel your emotions being tugged at, now this is not the normal thing for you to do because this is not what anyone does that is certainly outside of Christ. Go to the Word immediately. Immediately. And whatever this thing's about... I don't know, Google it, get your dictionary, get your whatever it is, and see, what does God say about that? (laughs) I'll tell you what, the Holy Spirit goes crazy when you're able to fill your mind with scriptures concerning the very thing that has your emotion. It will squash it like that. I didn't say it was easy, but it's the right thing to do. But even before that, if you're still struggling with getting into the scripture... Immediately pray, Lord God, I'm, I'm in a situation, I can feel the tug, I can feel the emotions, I can feel... Lord God, I know that you want me to follow you, want to obey you. Please, right now, give me the strength to do what I need to do next. And you know what that is? Get in the Word of God. Get in the Word of God. Those two things are amazingly powerful. Because that's how the Holy Spirit can work. That's how He can give you that strength. That's how He can overpower that other side of you, that unsaved humanness. One other thing is, what are you focusing on? 
You see, the more that these things become part of your life, literally that lust has got you sucked in lock, stock, and barrel. But when we're focused on the Lord Jesus Christ, when you're focused on Him, turn your eyes to Him. Start singing a hymn. Start inside a a song, something about Jesus. It's amazing how your emotions get straightened around. Those Christian music, fill yourself with that. You know those little, what's the right word I'm thinking of? Somebody said it? No? Okay. Anyway, there's kind of like these lines. I'll wake up in the morning. I'll have this. What, what am I trying to say? There's this. Uh, it's not a jingle, but a lyric. lyric. Okay, that'll, that'll work. That'll work. It's not what I was thinking, but that'll work. This lyric that just bounces around my head. A lot of times, that's from God. It's per- and it's perfectly timed. I, one that just continually comes to me is, I need thee every hour. I need thee every hour. Isn't that true? <laughs> and the more we're focused on that, guess what? Not only the more we need him, the more we know we have him. Focusing on Jesus Christ. Now, there's, there's some other good things in the fact that Paul must have known the significance of this as well. Now, we can say if we were going to have a dividing line, it would be right here. Okay? I, you mind? I'm going to put a line there. Because if you can get... I'm not... By the way, don't go to the edge of the cliff and see how close you can get with a falling off. Right? That's not the point. But, but literally, if you feel yourself... What do I do with my marker? There it is. If you feel yourself, the emotions being tugged, and it's, it's amazing how quickly the deception will go in your mind. When that emotion grabs you, that tug, your mind is going to want to take that as fact. But right here, if we, can, if we could separate between 2 and 3, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And this is what seeking the scriptures, seeking in prayer does, literally, does this. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verses 4 and 5. Starting verse 3, actually, it's even better. For though we walk in the flesh, oh, there we are, exactly, that's where we're at, but we don't war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations... And every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Is that not... If you can do that, guess what? There is a temptation that can take you out. There it is. It's right there. It's right there. How fabulous is that? I thought I had one more scripture I wanted to share with you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. One more. One more. You see, the more that you do those three things, go to the Word, pray. And I'm talking praying now. I mean, just, what was it? Remember, Paul, your favorite verse that you were going to memorize? It was in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Yeah. Can you get that one? He's looking it up. (laughs) Rejoice always. Um, Pray with us. No. Yeah, you're, you're, keep going. You just about finished it. Pray with ceasing. There you go. <laughs> Praying without ceasing. That's literally living in prayer. I find myself doing that more all of the time. Because I just want to be in his fellowship. I want to be right with him. I want to be. It's almost like the garden experience without a, having the garden experience. When you're praying with him, when you're so in tune with him, you know what happens? It's, your will no longer matters. And see, this is the problem. Once we get to your will, it's a done deal. But if I can continue to just thwart my will and have it in his will, 
That's how Jesus, that, that's literally when Jesus got to those moments of what I call critical moments, particularly the night before, he knew he was going to be hanging on a cross. Don't you miss that. It wasn't a mystery to him. He knew beforehand, and for him literally to take that step and to be so open with us and say, Lord God, take this cup from me, but your will be done rather than mine. See, his will became secondary. And he did it with joy because he knew that if he endured the cross, literally everything that they, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, had put together would literally come to pass and would be complete and finished. It's the same with us. But let's go because something happens to us when we're doing that. And literally, sin has less of a take on it, less of a pull on us when we do it. Let's go to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. And let's close with this. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Paul's bringing to a conclusion this awesome book on Romans. He's told you a lot of stuff. He's told you, oh, he's told you, there's no condemnation of those who are in Jesus Christ. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. But he wants you to be everything you can be. And he says, I beseech you, therefore. This is a command. I'm, I'm, I'm just asking you and beyond asking, commanding you, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You see right here, this mind is so critical. That's why Paul spent so much time getting your thinking right before you could get your acting right, your living right. You got to believe right to live right. It even works. Now we don't have. Remember that other list we had up here? How to um, how to endure trials? You see, some of the same components are there. But if this is in place, I'm, I'm sorry. This is what takes us out of our game. Is when we turn a testing or a trial into temptation. Watch your emotions, particularly your mind. Okay, questions or comments? We've covered a lot of country, a lot of ground. Isn't God's word good? Sometimes just knowing this roadmap, you know, sometimes it's amazing. You know, you wouldn't take a trip, well, you might have your phone, but you wouldn't take a trip without knowing where you were going, correct? I hope not. Some of you look like you do. Okay, well, very good. <laughs> I think right in, right in between two and three, you have what you would call taking a thought and entertaining that thought, toying with that thought. Totally. And when you do that, then it stirs your emotions and it reinforces your mind. And that then affects your will. So that's why the Bible says the thought of foolishness is sin. That means entertaining right. a now deception, entertaining that lust. Right. That is what will get you. Right. Because there's a, there's a, there's a, really, fi- and there's a really fine line between these two. Because you're building a strategy, and all of a sudden, before you know it, you have fixed your will on accomplishing that very thing. That's why 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5 is so critical. Capturing every single thought to the obedience of Christ. If there's nothing else, let's pray. Father God, thank you for the day. Thank you for your word. Thank you particularly for what Jesus Christ accomplished, that literally sin shall not have dominion over you. Romans chapter 6, verse 14. Literally, Father, we don't have to succumb to sin. We don't have to succumb to temptation. Father, allow us to use the trials and the testings for your good to allow us to be everything that you want us to be, and that is more Christ-like. Father, how great you are. How great you are. 
to have broken the penalty of sin and the power of sin when we yield our instruments to you. Thank you, Father, for the week that's upcoming. And we pray, Father, for our journey that step by step, walking through it, one step at a time, that, Father, we will give you glory and we will become more Christ-like. Father, this group here in this room will be many miles apart because your pattern and your program and your journey has been set for them. But, Father, as we go, thank you for preparing our minds and our hearts. And as you transfer them through the renewing of them, Father, in the Lord Jesus Christ and what he accomplished, that we would become everything that you want us to be. Thank you for not giving up on us. Thank you for not stopping short of completion, that you were continually working on us, even to the day of our redemption. Uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Father, I just pray for each one of these individuals that are here today, from young to old, Father, as you move in their lives, as you work in improving and making their character everything that you want it to be. Father, may be open and yielding to you. May we obey you at every step, every choice that comes our way, that we would treat them as important to you. Help us to focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for all that you're accomplishing. Thank you for being who you are. And these things we ask in Christ's precious and holy name. Amen.